0: This is African News Tonight on The Voice of America.
1: Hello, welcome to VOA Africa. Thank you for joining us. I'm Nabil Biagno and Here's what's coming up.
2: I want to reassure Ugandans and all residents that the government has got capacity to control this outbreak as we have done before.
1: That's Uganda's President Yuari Museveni trying to ease public concern of an Ebola outbreak in the country. All this and more coming up on African News Tonight. The Hague-based UN Court today opened the trial of Rwandan tycoon Kabuga Felician, who faces genocide-related charges, including being the main financier of Rwanda's 1994 massacre. In Rwanda, people are urging the court to avoid delays that Kabuga's lawyers may pursue. Eugene Wimana has more details from Rwanda's capital, Kigali. Opening
3: statements are scheduled for today and tomorrow for the 89 nine-year-old Kabuga, who was arrested in Paris two years ago after spending 26 years in hiding. For survivors of the genocide perpetrated against the Tutsi, this is good news, but they worry about lay and other legal maneuvers. Ejide Muranga is president of IBUKA, the umbrella body for genocide survivors. He says as the trial begins, we really urge the court not to delay proceedings so that a verdict can be announced very quickly. If lawyers start their trick to craft reasons to make the proceedings slow, we might not get the verdict soon. For legal experts in Rwanda, seeing Kabaga on trial shows the power of justice and its reach even decades after such a crime. Alphonse Mulefu is a lecturer at the University of Rwanda. He says, this trial once again shows that the crime of genocide never gets old and that justice has to prevail, because many victims had lost hope that he would not be brought to book. This is an important win for the justice sector. The only problem is that he is getting very old, but the court has established that he is able to stand the trial. Kaboga, considered a key architect of the genocide, is charged with seven counts, including five related to the mass killings that left an estimated 1 million people dead, genocide, complicity in genocide, direct and public incitement to commit genocide, attempt to commit genocide, and conspiracy to commit genocide. Other charges include persecution and extermination, both as crimes against humanity. After his arrest by French authorities, Kaboga's lawyers sought to delay the trial, claiming their client was too ill to go through the proceedings. Alphonse Mulefu only wishes the trial wasn't so far away.
4: He says, in
3: my view, genocide trial should be tried in Rwanda. The security in the country's judicial system is very strong. Kaboga pleaded not guilty in his first court appearance in November 2020. jeune Uimana, for VOA News, Tigali. Rwanda.
1: Uganda's President Yoweri Museveni has assured the country that an, out, an, an Ebola outbreak is under control and that no restrictions on movement are needed. The country's health officials confirmed cases of a deadly Sudan uh, Ebola virus with 24 reported deaths. Uganda's Medical Association says some of its members are critically ill and has threatened to join a strike by medical interns over what they say is inadequate personal protective equipment. Halima Othmani reports from Kampala, Uganda.
5: In an address to the nation Wednesday night, President Yoram Seveni urged Ugandans to avoid coming in contact with body fluids such as blood, feces and vomit from infected people even though the source for the Sudan Ebola virus, a strain for which the World Health Organization says cross-protection of vaccine for other Ebola strains has not been established, Mseveni warned Ugandans against eating meat from monkeys, chimpanzees and gorillas.
2: I want to reassure Ugandans and all residents that the government has got capacity to control this outbreak, as we have done before. Therefore, there is no need for anxiety, panic... Restriction of movement or unnecessary closure of public places like schools, markets, places of worship, ETC as of now.
5: The 31 Ebola cases confirmed so far include six health care workers, including four doctors, one anesthesiologist and one medical student who was exposed to the first case in the district of Movende. Museveni, who cautioned Ugandans against shaking hands, also says Uganda is still discussing a vaccine for the Sudan Ebola virus that was first reported on August 6th. Uganda only has a stock of the Zaire Ebola virus that was reported in the neighboring Democratic Republic of Congo. There is currently no approved vaccine for the Sudan Ebola virus.
2: Therefore, one of the issues issues we were debating the other day was... Why not use the vaccine of Ebola Zaire, even though it's not specific for Ebola Sudan, but it is Ebola. They share some of the characteristics, Uh, and and it is safe. and uh, We have used it on our soldiers, so. Is there any harm in in, in trying it?
5: The government has now set up an Ebola treatment unit with a 51-bed capacity for confirmed cases and 80 beds for suspected cases. To shorten the turnaround time of sampling, processing and improving patient care, two mobile diagnostic laboratories will be deployed in the Mwenda district by Friday. Health Minister Dr. Jen Ruther-Cheng also allayed fears among health workers, especially those infected with the virus. We want to appreciate the work that they are doing, but also reassure them that they will be taken care of and given the necessary supportive care and treatment so that we ensure that we don't lose them. President of the Uganda Medical Association, Dr Sam Oledo, however, describes a different situation in the affected districts for health workers.
4: When we start losing health workers, I don't think it can be under control. It's painful that this morning, two of our health workers, the intern and the SHO, are on oxygen and they're not doing well. What we're trying to mobilize right now is ICU management.
6: And now we, we
4: cannot afford to have a corpse of a, a medic at such a time. And I assure you, if the worst happens, we shall withdraw services in Movende.
5: The Sudan Ebola virus is less common than the Zaire Ebola virus and has no current effective vaccine. Sudan Ebola virus was first reported in southern Sudan in 1976. Although several outbreaks have been reported since then in both Uganda and Sudan, the deadliest outbreak in Uganda was in 2000, claiming over 200 lives. Uganda's last Ebola outbreak in 2019 was confirmed to be the Zaire Ebola virus. It last reported a Sudan Ebola virus outbreak in 2012. Halima Thmani for VA News, Kampala, Uganda.
1: A Zimbabwe court has found author Tsitsi Dangaremwa and co-defendant Julie Barnes guilty for involvement in a 2020 anti-corruption demonstration in Harare where they were arrested. I spoke with reporter Godwin Mangujga who attended the ruling in Harare.
6: Yeah, I'm just at the court house in Harare and the, the magistrate Barbara Mateko has convicted the two Tsitsi Dangaremwa and the Julia Barnes of inciting public violence and the incendence
1: Yes, Uh, how significant is this ruling? And what is next after this?
6: Well, the the, the truth is that and the intend to appeal the the ruling. That is the conviction and the sentence.
1: That was reporter Gadwin Manguchka is speaking with me from the courthouse in Harare earlier today. <music> to African news tonight, I'm Nabil Biadjo in Washington. For more information on this and other stories from the continent, please see VOAafrica.com. There you will find all your favorite VOA radio and TV programs and a whole lot more. more. For world news, check out VOANews.com. Ethiopia's government-funded Human Rights Commission says security forces killed dozens of civilians following clashes with rebels in the country's Gambela region in June. Fred Harder reports from Addis
7: Ababa. According to the state-appointed rights body's report published Thursday, the killings happened after an hours-long gun battle on June 14th between regional security forces and militants from the Oromo Liberation Army and the Gambella Liberation Front. After the OLA and GLF militants withdrew from the city, Gambella regional security force members searched houses and targeted civilians, whom they accused of harbouring weapons and fighters, the Rights Commission said. The 13-page report concluded at least 50 civilians were killed individually and in mass extrajudicial executions by regional security forces between June 14 and June 16. The bodies were then buried en masse with relatives denied access to them, said the commission, which also found that security force members had looted homes. At the time, a Gambele city resident told VOA that he could hear sporadic shooting from his home in the days following the rebel group's assaults. Abela Dane, the Gambella office head for the Ethiopian Human Rights Commission, said the killings took place in several locations across the city.
0: Some people were killed at their homes and some others were killed when they were walking on the streets of the town. For instance, one of the findings of our report showed that one special force in the city, police of the regional government, killed at least 11 civilians,
7: all just in one house. Abel added that several other people were taken to the local police commission where they were subsequently killed. The report from the Human Rights Commission was based on interviews with 58 people, including eyewitnesses and relatives of victims. It also concluded that the OLA and GLF rebel groups killed seven civilians while in the city, adding that six more people died after they were caught in crossfire. A message to a government spokesperson requesting comments went unanswered. Gambella's regional police commission has said the rebels were responsible for the killings in the town. Fred Hartzer for VUA News, Addis Ababa, Ethiopia.
1: Gunmen have killed five soldiers and a civilian in the southeastern Nigerian state of Anambra. The French news agency FP cited local media as saying the soldiers' vehicles were amb- was ambushed and a bystander was killed by a stray bullet. State Governor Charles uh, Saludo condemned the attack, saying the perpetrators will pay. No group has claimed responsibility for the killings, though many suspect the separatist group, the indigenous people of Biafra, or its armed wing. The assault comes three weeks after an attack on the convoy of an opposition lawmaker killed five people, including two security escorts. AFP says more than than 100 police officers have been killed in targeted attacks since the beginning of last year. The separatist group denies any role in the violence. Its leader, Namdi Kanu, is facing trial for treason. The UN Refugee Agency says nearly 6,000 Congolese refugees have been helped to return home since December 2021 after years of exile in Zambia. Lisa Schlein's report for VOA from Geneva.
8: The voluntary repatriation of Congolese refugees was based on a tripartite agreement signed in 2006 by the UNHCR and the governments of Zambia and the Democratic Republic of Congo. The refugees have fled political and inter clashes in the DRC's southeast region in 2017. They've gone back to their communities of origin in Okatanga. Many parts of the DRC are riven with conflict and remain highly insecure. However, UNHCR spokesman Boris Cheshikov says Okatanga is stable, making the returns possible. He says some 600 people are transported from Zambia on buses in weekly convoys to the DRC's Lukinda border post. He says more than 11,000 Congolese refugees are expected to have gone back to the DRC by the end of the year.
0: Refugees have been issued with voluntary repatriation documents and have received expedited immigration clearance, health screening, security, food and water prior to their journey. Children account for 60% of those uh, refugees that are now returning.
8: Cheshkov says children born in Zambia have been issued birth certificates as proof of their identity. He says the Ministry of Education has issued transfer documents to school children so they can continue their education in the DRC. He notes the refugees have expressed excitement and joy at returning home. He says they look forward to reuniting with family and friends and starting their lives anew. He says the UNHCR is providing returnees with cash assistance to help them cover basic expenses upon arrival.
0: It also helps them with transportation costs to to reach their ultimate destination. Um, they're able to purchase hygiene items, house household items, and and then to pay their own. Uh, first rent, which uh, gives them a step uh, in the right direction. And then based on family size, they're also provided with a package that includes pulses and maize meal, oil and uh, and salt and and other uh, basics that will help them uh, to move in.
8: Cheshikov says the UNHCR continues to work with local and traditional authorities. He says the agency also conducts monitoring missions to the locations to make sure the returns are sustainable. Zambia currently hosts more than 95,600 refugees, asylum seekers, and former refugees. They include just over 60,000 from DRC. Lisa Schlein for VOA News, Geneva.
1: A man who hates black people and planned to overthrow South Africa's government with a series of terror attacks has been sentenced to two life terms plus 21 years. Vicky Stark reports from Cape Town, South Africa.
9: Harry Knussen, 63, was the leader of the National Christian Resistance Movement, also known as the Crusaders. He claimed that God had ordained that he should reclaim South Africa for white people. A statement from the National Prosecuting Authority says these highly racial views were his motivation for wanting to overthrow the government and kill African people. He planned to attack national key points and military and police installations, as well as informal settlements where blacks live. The prosecuting authority says he explored the possibility of using a biological weapon and had discussions about arranging urban warfare training. He was arrested on November 28, 2019. Hawke spokesperson Brigadier Tandim Mbambo has more.
4: The accused prepared and planned to carry out terrorist attacks on government by overthrowing the democratically elected
5: government.
9: The NPA spokesperson Monica Nuswa explains the charges.
5: Nusen was convicted of contravention of preparing and planning to carry out terrorist attacks incitement to carry out a terrorist attack in South Africa, recruitment of persons to carry out terrorist attacks in South Africa, unlawful possession of a firearm, and unlawful possession of ammunition. The accused was further declared unfit to possess a firearm as part of the sentence.
9: While two of his co-defendants admitted guilt... Knussen denied all charges and was convicted on June 6. After sentencing yesterday, his application for leave to appeal his sentence and conviction was dismissed. The Director of Public Prosecutions in Mpumalanga, Advocate Nkebe Kanyane and the Hawks' National Head, Lieutenant General Godfrey Lebea, have expressed satisfaction with the sentence. Vicky Stark for VOA News, Cape Town, South Africa.
1: Botswana says it will ensure the use of clean technology in coal mining amid concerns over fossil fuels' impact on the environment. The southern African country has commissioned a new coal plant in a bid to increase production. From Borom, Botswana, reporter Kondisi Dubey has the details. President Mukwezi Masisi yesterday commissioned a new plant
4: With an annual capacity of 1.2 million tons of coal per year, he says the country is ramping up production amid growing demand for coal due to the global energy crisis driven by the war in Ukraine. see noted environmental concerns about coal.
10: I'm also aware of the sensitivities surrounding coal mining and the utilization of natural resources, particularly from the point of view of environmental sustainability and the green future. Actually... Beyond being aware, we are also actively pursuing globally adopted standards of decarbonisation of fossil fuels like coal through using clean coal technologies. I cannot say this enough.
4: Coal is regarded as the single largest contributor to climate change.
10: Botswana will ensure that the activities surrounding our coal mining efforts will adhere to the international commitments for climate change. Our commitment in this regard remains extremely strong. We want to promote responsible exploitation of our natural resources for sustainable development, while at the same time taking extraordinary measures to make best of the value of our coal resources to enable economic diversification in Botswana without prejudice.
4: Demand for coal is spiked in recent months, with European and Asian countries looking for alternative energy sources, Botswana's Minister of Minerals and Energy, Lifoko Mwahi, says the new coal plant will enable his country to tap into the demand gap.
6: The timeless delivery of this product
4: is an indication that our plans as a country to increase coal production and meet the coal market demand and increase the supply
2: of energy to power the nation sufficiently have become a reality.
4: Botswana is more than 212 billion tons of untapped coal reserves. Masisi recently said the country intends to fully utilize the resource. Last year, during the COP26 climate summit, Botswana was among 49 countries that signed a pledge to ease the use of coal and move towards cleaner energy sources. However, Botswana did not commit to ending the issuance of new coal licenses. For VOA, this is Kondisi Dube in
1: Haboroni, Botswana. President Joe Biden formally announced the U.S. will maintain its cap on refugee admissions at 125,000 for the 2023 fiscal year. Immigration advocates had hoped the president would increase the number to much higher demand after, fo- after falling short of an ambitious target of fiscal 2022. The White House allocates admissions geographically, setting 40,000 spots for Africa. 35,000 for Near East-South Asia, 15,000 for East Asia, 15,000 for Europe and Central Asia, and 15,000 for Latin America. 5,000 spots are listed as unallocated and held in reserve. According to the latest count in August, fewer than 20,000 refugees have been admitted so far this year. And that wraps up this edition of African News Tonight. I'm Nabil Biagio in Washington. For all the latest developments on the continent 24-7, visit our website at voaafrica.com. And thank you again for tuning in and for choosing the voice of America.
9: Or simply the sound and feel of a good beat. Ah! Ah! Whatever your pleasure, you can get it every week right here on Music Time in Africa. So join me on your local FM station, Saturdays and Sundays at 1500 and 2000 UTC. Hello, I'm Carol Castiel, host of Press Conference USA, VOA's Newsmaker Interview Program. Join us each Saturday and Sunday when we talk with authors, analysts, and policymakers who provide fresh insight on topics ranging from U.S. politics and foreign policy to science, culture, and global health. You can listen to Press Conference USA on the radio or online at voanews.com PCUSA. While you're visiting our website, be sure to subscribe to our podcast, We'd also love to hear from you. Just send an email to PCUSA at VOANews.com or connect with us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash CarolCastielVOA or on Twitter at CarolCastielVOA. That's Press Conference USA every Saturday and Sunday